Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. I really enjoyed this episode. We get the chance to chat with Dre Baldwin. Um, Dre is a former professional basketball player, um, <clears throat> an author. He's published 33 books. He's a business coach. Um, it This is a very fun and lively and informative conversation. Uh, we walk through his story. We don't really focus specifically on one type of adversity necessarily. Um, it's a very practical episode that I think you're going to be able to relate to. Lots of ups and downs, um, a lot about team sports, and also kind of pivoting and listening to your customer and giving people what they want. Um, he was an international basketball player, used some of the downtime when his career slow, slowed down a little bit to uh, put out content. He's been way ahead in the content uh, game. He's been putting out content for probably almost 20 years now. So definitely cutting edge in that space. Dre has a, a big YouTube following. Um, if you look up work on your game, he's got a big Instagram following. He's been a public speaker, author, business coach. Um, he's done a lot of things. Talks a lot about mindset, a lot about uh, discipline, teamwork, consistency, showing up early, doing the right thing, uh, and, and just you know a lot of keys to success in this one. Really, I really enjoyed this one, and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Dre Baldwin of Work On Your Game. 
Dre is a business coach and an entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun today. Former uh, professional athlete as well, Dre. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Jamie. I'm excited for this conversation. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great as well. I'm also excited. This is gonna be fun. We were briefly chatting beforehand about team sports, and I'm uh maybe I'll get to you know live some of the relive some of the glory days in this conversation, but. It's not about me though, Dre. It's it's about you and the listener. Um, so for the listener, tell us who who you are today and what you're up to today. Sure. So uh, Dre Baldwin uh, come from the city of Philadelphia. Now based in Miami, Florida. Uh, background in sports. Played as you said. Played sports. Basketball was my sport. One year high school ball. Uh, walked on. Played D three college ball. Nobody was recruiting me to play pro, so I, I basically uh, hustled and marketed and sold my way into playing pro basketball. Led to a nine-year career. Excuse me, it wasn't a perfect career because there were times where you know, I wasn't sure when the phone was going to ring again. And in those gaps, I started putting content on the internet. I was going to do that anyway, but I put content on the internet before we were calling it content, before that was a, a cool thing to do. Started to build mm-hmm. an audience through uh, putting basketball videos on YouTube. There was a point about halfway through my career where the phone wasn't ringing. I started creating... Mm-hmm. Uh, products to sell online. And that's how I became an entrepreneur because I started creating Mm. products specifically for my basketball uh, crazed audience. They just wanted more Mm. programs that could teach them how to do the stuff that I was doing in the videos that I was putting on social Mm -hmm. media that we were now calling it social media. And uh, that's how I became an entrepreneur. Uh, Kept playing ball for another five years after that started. But at that Mm. time, players started asking questions about mindset because they just saw my approach was a little bit different than what they were used to. This guy Mm -hmm. puts videos out every day when, again, this is before it was cool or normal to put content on the internet every day. Now yeah. it's normal, but back then that was not normal. So they just want to know why I did it or how do you get the confidence to perform in a game the way you do in practice or how do you get the the mindset to keep trying when you face all these setbacks or you come from this uh, very humble background, as I just explained mm-hmm. to you here, Jamie, uh, mm-hmm. why do you even keep the mind that you can make it as a pro athlete? Because you kept having all these uh, you know, mm-hmm. reality telling you that you weren't going to make it. And then yeah. Well, how do you get started even doing any of this stuff? If you want to play ball overseas or you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to get known on the internet, these are all things that now people were seeing that, hey, there's a way that I could actually do this. How do mm-hmm. I do it? So they just yeah. want to know how do you get started? So I started uh, basically in answering those questions, I created the framework that became work on your game, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot here in this conversation. And yeah. kept playing ball till 2015. And by that point, I'd already been as I already said, creating a bunch of stuff online. I had a nice little name online just from putting out basketball stuff. Then I was talking about mindset. I had already started writing books. I was uh, creating courses. So I already had that stuff kind of going by the time I stopped playing. Mm-hmm. So the normal athlete, when they stop playing, it's yeah. cool. they stop it's, cold turkey and they're starting at zero. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, so by the time I stopped, I was already doing all the stuff that I still do now. So mm-hmm. it was a, yeah. a little bit smoother transition for me because of that. And that's how we got for here. Sure. Yeah, that's like, absolutely. That's the one thing I've, that that jumped out to me is obviously, you know, you want your phone to ring. You want to get that next that next job. You're not happy that you're sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. But right. sounds like in hindsight, and and we'll we'll drill into this more later. But it sounds like that adversity that you went through actually propelled you to be more ready for your post uh, basketball career, which is, which is awesome. And I know we have had uh, professional athletes on the show um, who have done that cold Turkey transition and it can be, it can be earth shattering. I mean, it can be, that's, you know, if your entire identity is wrapped up in, in the sport, which I get, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's very easy to do, but then all of a sudden that's not who you are anymore. 
man, <laughs> who are you? Right. So sounds right. like you were, I could tell you are a hustler and it sounds like you had, uh, you were setting yourself up for success no matter what. So that's awesome. I can't wait to to drill into that, especially the mindset piece. So let's jump back though, and further into your backstory, Dre. Um, and again, this is where I kind of leave it up to the guest as far as, you know, where you want to start in your, in your story, because what we want to mm-hmm. do is kind of walk through from a younger age and walk back up through today and pull out and, and focus on some of the, the real adversity that you've been through and, how you were able to overcome that adversity, how you were able to get through that adversity and get to quote unquote abundance. And, mm-hmm. and the, the goal here is for the listener, the entrepreneur out there to learn from your story, take lessons that, you know, that you've learned and uh, used in your own life and maybe be able to skip some of the pain that that you've had to go through. Uh, but but still learn from your story and apply that in in their life. So let's jump back. Where do you want to start, Dre? Well, let's go to probably around the turn of the century. So this is around uh, 99, 2000. Okay. And that's around that time. This is, I graduated high school in the year 2000. So I'm 41 years of age today, graduated high school in 2000. And that was where I, I used to always go to the bookstores. And my mom is a big, um, she's in education. So she's always been into reading and she would always go to the bookstore. And this is before you buy books online. So you had to go to the store to, if you wanted books. And I would always, whenever I was with her, I would just wander to the sections that I like. So I'll go to the sports section and also at the time, they called it human psychology. Now they call it personal mm-hmm. development, but they didn't have a personal development section back then. And that's when I stumbled across my favorite book, which is 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And mm-hmm. that's really where I started to get into uh, that personal development even more because I was I was always into the psychology stuff. Like, how does the brain work and how does it affect our actions? But I didn't know there was a whole genre for it. And then the way that I really got introduced to it was a couple of years later. It's about 2001, 2002. I'm on my college campus. I'm with the Penn State University Altoona campus is where I, I went for basketball specifically. And there was this uh, bulletin board posting. And for those who don't know what that is, is people had to, the one ten out something you had to put on a board. It wasn't digital. You had to actually put it up on a board that people would walk past on campus. And it said, make extra money in, in the summer and all of that. And this is before college athletes can make money off their name, image, mm-hmm. and likeness. So you really couldn't mm-hmm. make any money when you're a college athlete because you're going to school and playing a sport. You have no time. So mm-hmm. I responded to this bulletin board posting, and this guy was in network marketing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what network marketing was, but he briefly explained the concept. And when I went back to Philly, where I'm from, that summer, I went to a couple of hotel meetings for this network marketing company. And the reason why this matters is because in that meeting, two things happened. Number one, the man speaking from the stage was speaking about entrepreneurship and money and business in ways that I had never heard it explained. And at this point, I'm 21, 22 years of age and I'm in I'm majored in business. I have a business degree and mm-hmm. things that this guy was talking about in this hotel meeting. They did not teach at the college <laughs> campus that I went to. And mm-hmm. I like the way these people are talking about money is completely different. Nobody's ever talked about it like this before. And I thought I was pretty smart. Right. That sure. was number one. And number two, and what he was doing, a lot of what he was doing was just breaking your false beliefs about how you think money works and how you think business works and how you think are your options for making money. They're not just what you think they are. There's a lot of different ways to make money besides what you think you know. And that's what he was doing for half the people in the room. The other half of the people in the room were already in the business. So they already heard this before. There's just no Mm -hmm. nine in their heads. And then the other half of it, the other thing that I got from that meeting was at the end of it, he said, when you all leave, there's a table outside with some nice ladies sitting at the table. They're selling personal development books. Make sure you buy those books because in order to build your business, you got to build yourself as a person. 
I never heard anybody say that before. Mm, and yeah. again, in that meeting, I, it was just these groundbreaking ideas that as soon as I heard them, they made perfect sense to me. And that's how I knew there was a thing called personal development, because he was mentioning these authors, uh, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, mm -hmm. uh, Tony mm -hmm. Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Napoleon Hill. I never heard of these people. And but he kept saying their names. And I did not buy the books when I left the meeting because I was a broke college kid. I barely <laughs> had money to get home from the meeting. Yeah. But I went on eBay and this is before Amazon was the place to buy stuff. I went on eBay yeah. and I bought a couple of uh, pirated copies of a couple of books. <laughs> okay. So I bought two. I bought, uh, they were 99 cents a piece. It was uh, nice. Thinking Go Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. And it was yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And yep. I bought both of those books and all I got was a Word document from the person who sold it to me. <laughs> and I, nice. <laughs> I read both That's of those funny. books and what... Napoleon Hill's book taught me was that there's a way that you could consciously and intentionally alter the thoughts of your mind that will lead to alteration in the results of your life. And again, new idea to me. Sure. Secondly, and that became pretty much what I do for a living. And secondly, it was Robert Kiyosaki. He took it even further than what I heard in that hotel meeting when it came to business and making money. I mean, in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the first two or three chapters of that book. He's yeah. taking everything that most people think they know about how money gets made and he's yeah. just stepping right out the window. Yeah, yeah, breaking it into pieces and saying, okay, you know, there are people who make money in a way different way than this, right? And when I read that Absolutely. book, I said, okay, when I get out of college, I knew I wanted to play basketball first. I said, I'm going to play ball. But after basketball, I knew basketball would not last forever, especially since I was coming from a D3 school. Who knows how long I'm even going to get to play. Sure. But after basketball, what this guy's talking about, this is the direction that I'm going. I'm not going to go and do the normal, get a job, work nine to five, live happily ever after. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what this guy's talking about. I didn't quite understand sure. it then, but I knew that's what I was going to do. So those two stories, yeah, that's really that's, what set me on the path for where I'm at today. No, that's that's fantastic. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I'm familiar with those concepts now, mm -hmm. you know, so, so, but at the time when I was 21, 22, I had no idea. I, I no, I, yeah, that, that would have been all foreign, foreign to me as well. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think you said your mom was in, uh, education. My, my mother yes. was as well. And so this is not a slam on public school teachers or anything like that, the public school system, private school system, anything, but they do in general, it does not prepare you for, making money as an entrepreneur or investing or thinking outside the box in any way, shape or form. Um, so yeah, I love that. I mean, I do remember rich dad, poor dad being a, a mindset shift for me as well. Um, mm. it, it's not so much to the how to, like you said, I mean, it's not really in the nuts and bolts of, you know, how to make money on investment property or something like that. Right. Cash flow quadrant and some of his other books get a little more detailed, but but it's that mindset shift of the paradigm shift. And I love the fact that at a pretty early age, you were, you realized the value of investing in yourself. I mean, that's awesome. Um, and you also were taking the long-term view um, because you, you, like you said, you knew basketball wasn't going to, wasn't going to last forever. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. So, so, all right, you get this mindset shift but you still decide, okay, this, this is what I'm going to work on kind of in the background. It sounds like, but I'm going to pursue basketball. Um, yeah. so let's, so how did that, how did your basketball career go at that point? Yeah. So, uh, one thing you said there, Jamie, is that you won't slam the educational system. I will slam the educational system. No. <laughs> my mom is, my mom is Why? in the system. My sister's a professor as well. I don't slam the people in the system. Yeah. I'm slamming yeah. the system. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I, and honestly, yeah. I don't think my mom listens to this anyway, so <laughs> she should though, but, but, but she didn't create the system. I mean, she, she just no, works she there. Did. 
absolutely yeah, not on her. Absolutely. You're yeah, right. Same way it's not on my mom. Right. So, absolutely. yeah. So, uh, the moving forward, then I kept that in the back of my mind with Kiyosaki. So, I get out of school in 2004. I uh, didn't have a, didn't get an offer to play pro immediately. I worked a couple of regular jobs from that first year of graduating. I worked at Foot Locker as an assistant manager. I worked at a gym called Bally Total Fitness selling memberships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bally's out of business now. No, not because of me. I sold a lot of memberships. <laughs> All right. So I, I got pretty good commission checks. So in the summer of 2005, so I've been out of school for a year. I uh, saved up my money and went to this event called an exposure camp. You familiar with those, Jamie? Um, I've heard of the concept, but but uh, fill me in. Okay. Exposure camp is like a job fair, but it's for athletes. Okay. Got so it. So any athlete who thinks they're good enough to play at the next level, whatever that may be, because nowadays I they see. have exposure camps for like eighth graders. But yeah. back then it was yeah. relatively new. Sure. And it was usually for... People want to play pro. So these are destination events where you pay money. It's not free. You mm-hmm. pay to attend this event. And then a bunch of athletes who think they're good enough to play at pro level at whatever sport, we all come, we all pay, and we all yeah. basically play with and against each other for a couple of days to try to prove that we're good enough. Sure. Yeah, we, we had just real quickly in lacrosse. It wasn't for to go pro, but... Yeah. You know, coming in, in high school, we had a couple of camps you could go to top 205, top star. Exactly. The, the right. goal was not to get better. The goal was to show that Showcase. you're good. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it was yep. to raise your profile. Yep. Yeah, it's the same way they have AAU in high school. It's like that, but for pro yep. and you had to pay for these. So the audience at these events are not just random people. There are some randoms, but mostly it's uh, agents, mm-hmm. coaches, managers, scouts, team owners from all over the world. They come to these places on purpose looking for their next employees mm-hmm. basically sure. so i saved up 250 dollars in cash that's how much it costs to go to the event i had to save this money up just to mm-hmm. give everybody a, a mm-hmm. idea where i was at at this point you know, i was still mm-hmm. living in my parents house and i had to call the event ahead of time and ask them can i pay you cash at the door because i didn't have a credit card or a bank account at this point mm-hmm. 23 years of age and they said yeah we'll take you can pay us in cash they wouldn't take anybody's money i later found <laughs> out they they said i'll take my money and i had to negotiate with my boss to get three days off i needed off friday saturday sunday and you have worked in any kind of retail nobody gets the mm, weekend yeah. off right sure. so i had to, had to negotiate to get the weekend off we rented a car in philly the event was in orlando that's about a 15 to 19 hour drive i don't remember the exact amount but it was a long drive we hopped out of the car 9 a.m. Saturday morning, which happened to be the exact start time of the, the camp. And I tell people I could get away with that at age 23. Couldn't do it now, but we did it. <laughs> yeah, no uh, no warm up. Yeah, exactly. Jump right <laughs> out the car and start playing. And I was completely fine. And I played pretty well at the event. Uh, got a good scouting report, which is basically, that was important because now I had a third party saying that this guy is, he can play. Mm-hmm. And I got footage from that event. Now, I did not get signed to a contract on the spot, even though I played well. I had to be back at work Monday morning at Bally Total Fitness. So we hopped right back in that car. Drove right back to Philly. I had to be back at work. And here's what I started doing, Jamie. I knew that for me to play pro, I knew I was probably not going to play for the Knicks or the Lakers immediately. I was probably going to go overseas. But I had never even been overseas, let alone that I know anybody. So how am I going to make that happen? So the internet did exist at the time. It wasn't what it is now, but it existed. I went on Google and I started Googling basketball agents. So anywhere that I saw a basketball agent, many of them had websites at this point. If they had a phone number, I called them. I was cold calling basketball agents in the summer of 2005. And mm-hmm. I was just telling them, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I have. Because at this point, some people may be wondering, well, why didn't you do this last year when you graduated? Mm-hmm. Well, now I had some collateral, I had some proof. Mm-hmm. Sure. So now I'm calling them and saying, hey, I got this scouting report. I can send you the link to the scouting report. I got this footage. I called 60 basketball agents. Out of that 60, 20 of them said, okay, let me see what you got. Now, mind you, the footage that I was sending them was not a link. The footage was on this thing called a VHS tape. You remember VHS? <laughs> sure do. 
Okay, so millennials <laughs> listening to this, ask your yes, parents and Google it. Yeah, so I had a VHS tape and I had a double-decker VCR at home. Again, and those of you who don't know what that is, Google it. And I would make copies of my my that master VHS tape because that was the footage. I couldn't give out the main the master footage. I made copies of the tape and I would mail those out to the agents who asked to see it. So 20 agents asked to see the footage. I mailed those out on my own dime. Mind you, I just had to save up $250. So I'm mailing out these these tapes and bubble mailers. Mm-hmm to agents all over the world. Out of those 20 who I mailed it out to, one agent hit me back and said, all right, I'll represent you. He became my agent. And in August, 2005, he called me and said, hey, I got a team in Lithuania. They're going to do the deal. And it took about three days and it was done. And then I was on a plane. I was in Kaunas, Lithuania. And that's how I got my pro basketball career started. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, Yeah. you're definitely, yeah. I mean, you, you can tell you, you hit an obstacle and you figure out a way around it or way over it. I can, I can tell that already for sure, which I think goes back to the the mindset, investing in yourself, investing in that uh, positive mindset and, and uh, self-development. Um, okay, so you go to Lithuania. You don't know anybody there. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's exciting, but it's probably pretty scary, too, at the, at the same time. Um, what's going through your mind at that at that point? No, I was excited. I wasn't nervous at all because you got to remember, Jamie, this is 2005. So we don't have the internet that we have now didn't exist then. So we didn't have Mm -hmm. social media. So I had to, I was looking up Lithuania on, I was like Google earthing, like Lithuania, (laughs) where's that on the map? So you don't know anything about what's going on in other parts of the world. So I wasn't nervous at all. I was excited because I'm finally getting to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, what what was I doing before this? I'm working at Bally Total Fitness, living in my yeah. parents' home. I, I'm trying to get sure. out of there, right? And yeah. so I just, that right there represented, like, all this stuff that I've been doing, it's it's working. All right, this is this is success sure. for me to get out of there. So this was, I was excited more than anything, just wanted to go over there and play. And that's, awesome. that's, how, I, that's how I started. And again, this is the fall 2005. And what was your question? Yeah, just what's going through your mind at that point, and and uh, I mean, it sounds like you're just you're just excited to because for the new adventure and new opportunity, um, right? And like you said, maybe well, you didn't say this, but ignorance is bliss. You don't know any of the downside yeah, of Lithuania right. or where, <laughs> where you you know where you're headed, and and uh, right. it sounds like it's it's all hope and excitement at that point. But um, so how does how do things progress career wise from there? Well, that was, you know, that was the first place that I played. And then I, I was back from there. Then I played for a traveling team in the USA. Then I was in, after that, went to Mexico. From there, it was, if I'm keeping this in chronological order, then I was in mm-hmm. Montenegro, then Germany. Now we're just going years and years here. Mm-hmm. So then after Germany, that's when I found myself, uh, my career was stalled out. That was the period where I told you I started creating the products. It was about 2000, between 2009 and 2011. That's when all the things that became who I am today got mm-hmm. put in motion because I see. there was a period where my phone wasn't ringing and I asked myself, okay, uh, by this point, I'm in my mid to late 20. So I'm like, okay, this isn't, this is cute when you're 23. It's not cute when you're 28. <laughs> right. So now what do you, you got to actually do something. And that's mm-hmm. when I started creating what became this whole work on your game brand, because now I can make money. I could monetize what I was doing on the internet, which again mm-hmm. was a relatively new thing for the average sure. person. Now, there yeah. are some experts out there who've been doing it for decades, but I was pretty average person when it came to internet knowledge. I was, a, I'm always mm-hmm. been a big computer geek, but I didn't know ins and outs of selling stuff online, but I picked it up pretty sure. quickly. I was an early adopter. And during that period, that's when uh, selling products happened. That's when I started using the phrase work on your game. That's when I started talking more mindset. 
that's when I started creating, I started writing books. So all four of those things happen at the same time. And all four of those things are a big part of what I do today. It's hmm, awesome. And you've written how many yeah. books at this point? Uh, officially 33. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I, I put one out and mm. quite honestly, it was based on the podcast content. It still was right. a good bit of work, but man, that's uh, <laughs> one book is, <laughs> is hard enough to get out. That's awesome. But it's, so... Yeah. When you're just curious, when you're at that point, when your basketball career was kind of like, uh, you know, on hold, if you will, or just yeah, you know, drying up. I don't. Yeah, stalled. Yeah, stalled, stalled, the yeah. stalled. There you go. <laughs> was that? Um, were you dealing with injuries, or was it more just, hey, you're getting a little, you're getting a little bit older, losing a step, or what? What was the reasoning for that? None of the above. It was just nobody was calling. It Got was it. just, I was in my, I was, you would say these are, this is like a prime year. So 2009, yeah. I was 27 years of age. So sure. I'm yeah, yeah. Physically been hit, in my prime. I thought, yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, I should be, this should be the year everybody's calling, but nobody Got was calling. It. So yeah. sometimes in the, in the athletic world, it's kind of like the, uh, like the entertainment world. Like you're in between yeah. uh, acting gigs and the sure. phone's not ringing. So you're working at yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. So that's how it is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can't control everything. And and to, and to be clear, I mean, we're talking, <laughs> I remember playing at Gettysburg, playing some pickup basketball with the guys, you know, who played on the team at Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the team was average, you know, average D3 team. I think they were pretty good, you know, but, but mm-hmm. when I play them it was just like they were amazing like uh, so it's all relative like this is we're talking you're playing at an elite level at that point like so it's easy for us to say like oh you you weren't getting picked up i mean (laughs) it's like yeah right you're still an excellent basketball player but okay so how so it sounds like you did do you had another stint uh in basketball after that period when you okay how did that go so that was so there was a period for about a year where nothing happened basketball wise and mm-hmm. I wasn't well I was still playing basketball but I wasn't signed to a contract and the thing is mm-hmm. I started to get more known is at this point we're talking 2009 2010 so at this point now the average person is now going to the internet for things instead of turning on the TV mm-hmm. that's when this period started to happen this is when this this whole cultural shift began this is when mm-hmm. we start using phrases like content social media these were brand new terms. And I was pretty known in these places because I've been putting content out since 2005. So when people mm-hmm. came on the internet, if you looked up basketball in 2010 on the internet, you know my name. Like mm-hmm. everybody knew mm-hmm. my name because I had more content out than everybody put together. So mm-hmm. at this point, I, the fact that I had videos on YouTube was more relevant. It was more important for my name than the fact that I've been a professional athlete the YouTube videos. <laughs> so that's what started happening at this time. So now I started monetizing it. Now YouTube allows you to make money off of ad revenue based on how many people watch your video. Mm-hmm. Now I had products that I was selling. All I did was put a video on YouTube. I would do a drill. Like here's a, how to dribble between your legs. If you want a whole program on how to dribble between your legs, go to this mm-hmm. link right here. And I'm mm-hmm. selling these programs. So at this point, uh, Jamie, I'm like, okay, if my phone never rings, I never get another call to play overseas. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'll just do this. I'll just sell this stuff on the internet. And I remember telling someone at that time that what I'm doing here online is going to be bigger than what I'm doing as a professional athlete. Hmm. I could see that in 2009. I knew that that was going to be the case. And nowadays you got athletes who come up playing college, don't even try to play pro, and they just become famous on social media. (laughs) And they make more money doing that than they ever would have made playing overseas. Because they they wouldn't have been the same. They wouldn't have had the stature overseas, but on online, they're the guy. 
right? So yeah. that happens now. That's a big thing now. So that's what I was doing in 2010. And then self-publishing was a thing. That's another thing. Now you can publish your own books. You didn't have to sign with a publisher because I've always been a writer. I was writing mm-hmm. before I was on YouTube. So I was blogging. That was the first thing I did on the internet. So I've always been a big writer because I'm a big reader. And then when I saw self-publishing was a thing, like I could just write a book and I don't have to go through a publisher to get the deal. Okay, I'm going to write books. So I wrote my first book. Only one of my books is a a narrative. My first book was a narrative, just telling my story when I first started playing up through college. All the rest mm-hmm. of my books are more like uh, professional development stuff. So that okay. happened as well. And then uh, the phone did ring again. So I was in, I went to Croatia, went to Slovakia. And there's one other place that I'm not uh, remembering there over the next uh, few years. But then I started doing a whole lot of uh, brand deals with uh, companies, Gatorade, Wendy's, uh, Nike, Jordan brand. So I started doing all these brand deals and things. And I'm like, I don't need to play overseas. <laughs> I don't need to go back <laughs> overseas. This I could just do this. I can make a whole career out of this. Uh, the awesome. unfortunate part for me was that all this stuff started popping off when I was now I'm getting like 30 and up. So, man, I wish this happened when I was 22. Like, I could have mm-hmm. milked this for a whole decade, but it, it came kind of on the tail end, the back end, back half of my career. But the good mm-hmm. news is uh, because I started talking, oh, one more thing I do have to mention this, 2010. This is when the players were asking me a lot of questions about mindset just because they got to start to get a feel for who I was. All right, one year high school, D3 ball, you're uh, overseas pro basketball player, but right now you're in Miami working out in the empty gym, but you keep practicing because you're waiting for the phone to ring. So he just wanted to understand it. And that's sure. when I said, all right, these players keep asking me about mindset. Why not just make some videos that are just about mindset? So I made this yeah. video. I remember 2010, I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do, guys. Because at the time, every video I put out was me on the court doing basketball, actual basketball stuff. And every once in a while, I would do a, a narrative video, like a talking head video. But mostly it was on the court. I said, all right, this is what I'll do. Every Monday, I'm going to put out this video. And I'm going to just talk a little bit about mindset because so many of you keep asking me about it. And I'm going to call this the weekly motivation. I'll put it out every Monday. And you all let me know. This is just on YouTube. Just let me know in the comments if you want me to do more videos like this. If y'all don't like it, it's cool. We'll just stick to the, I'll show you how to do the the Kobe move. But if you want the mindset, then just uh, tell me you want this. And the response was overwhelming. They were like, Dre, yes, give us the mindset, the mindset, the mindset. Because I think they could see, like, yes, they wanted to know how to do the stuff. But sure. they could tell just from the the little bit that they would when I would talk, because every yeah. once in a while I would make a video just explaining, um, well, here's what happened when I tried out for the high school team. Because I had a lot of my I knew exactly who my demographic was, 13 to 24 year old males who were mm-hmm. aspiring basketball. But I knew exactly who they were. So many of them are trying out for high school, not making it, trying out for college, not getting on the team. The parents are telling them, why don't you give up basketball and get serious? So I knew exactly who they were. So they mm-hmm. saw a guy who looked like he probably got the same thing said to him, but he kept going and he made it. Mm -hmm. So they could see themselves in me. So I knew exactly what they needed. So Mm -hmm. when I started talking about the mindset stuff, uh, they said, yeah, we want it. And they wanted it from me. It's not that they wanted mindset. They wanted it from me because of who I was relative to who they were. Right. And they said, you'd been there. You'd been there. already. Exactly. Exactly. They were, they were me. They was just 10 years younger than me, the same person. And they said, yeah, keep doing it. So I just started doing this weekly motivation thing every Monday. Did the weekly motivation, Jamie, every Monday for 400 Mondays in a row. And that became the foundation for who I am today. Many of my books are based off of something that I said in a weekly motivation video. Mm-hmm. Uh, my TED Talks are based on weekly motivation videos. My speaking, my coaching, all of this stuff is based off something that I said in one of those mindset videos somewhere across that 400 weeks, which spans about eight years. And that's how I really started to establish myself as a guy who really knows the mindset. And this is where this was beneficial for me was because 
I'm on YouTube. Mind you, YouTube is not just basketball. It's just people. It's YouTube's sure. TV. It's like cable TV. So now people who didn't play basketball yeah. started finding me because yeah. they would see that video every Monday. Huh. They want to find the drill videos every yeah. Monday, that mindset video, because it would be something like yeah. uh, how to be disciplined and show up every day, how to be confident right. when it's time to perform. I wasn't yeah. mentioning basketball in, in the video. I was just talking yeah. about mindset for basketball. So sure. people who didn't play ball started reaching out and saying, Dre, look, I follow you because... I don't even play ball, but that <laughs> mindset thing, yeah, that applies to everybody. So I said, okay, when I get done playing ball, all I got to do is just talk this mindset piece. The ball players can still follow this. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. all these people who don't play ball, they can follow it. So that's going to be my next sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and I love the fact that you d- you did start niche down, though. I mean, you 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 had yeah. a very small focus. You you already said who your avatar was, uh, mm-hmm. thirteen to twenty four year old male, I think something like that. But yeah. um which I think, you know, I hear from a lot of marketing people, you really need to have a very specific avatar, especially when you're starting out. Because if you're speaking to everyone, you're essentially speaking to no one. But you mm-hmm. need that core group is sort of ambassadors initially to say, like, he's talking to me, he's literally talking to me, and then they go out and tell everybody else about you. And then but you're but you're yes. the, the concepts are applicable across any field. So then you can just it just scales exponentially. That's awesome. So I mean, what do you think is is your driving force like at that time like but and, and now as well I guess but you know what is ultimately what because clearly you're a go getter right you're I mean you, you you're driven driven guy successful guy you're gonna you're gonna win you're gonna find a way to win why is that what's 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 driving what's the driver behind all this it's a great question Jamie and I think uh, the big thing for me is just I'm a competitor so yeah. I was always competing against. Not even yeah. the people. Of course, in sports, you compete against the people. But sure. I was competing against the circumstance. Because mm. the circumstance at first was, well, you just started playing ball. You're 14. That's kind of late. You're probably not going to go anywhere. Sure. Then I was competing against, can you make the high school team? Then is, can you play in college? And then it's, all right, you play D3 college. All right, you're probably not going pro. Can you? Can I compete against that? All right, mm-hmm. then I got on pro. All right, I got one contract playing pro. But I saw a lot of guys with one contract who weren't really that good. So I'm like... I can't be grouped with these guys. So I got to get a second contract. All right. Can I get another one? Can I get another one? Can I keep this going? And then the internet became a thing. Okay. Can I, okay, let me take these concepts that Mr. Kiyosaki was talking about. Let me see if mm-hmm. I can apply them to the internet. And I also read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week where he mm-hmm. kind of took the, the digital approach to similar mm-hmm. principles. And I said, all right, can I apply this? Because I had to, Again, I'm always saying to myself, I'm not going to do what I saw most of my college classmates doing. I, mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't like them. I knew I was very different from them sitting in those lecture halls my last two years in college because we're all, it's the same people you see in every class because we're all focused on our major. I'm like, I'm not like these people. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to go work somewhere. I, I don't want to do it. So, but I got to do something, right? The bills still got to get paid. So, mm-hmm. how can I do this? And again, my, my phone's not ringing from basketball. What can I do to make things sure. happen? And that's why I started going to the, the internet. So it was always just competing against the situation. And let's see uh, how far I can take this. Where can I, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So that's yeah. been the biggest driver for me. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, yeah. So looking back at your sports career, not just professional, but even before that, I mean, what would you say, other than what you've already said, what are a couple of kind of principles um, that you've taken from your athletic career and, and that you've applied to the rest of your life and others can apply as well? Oh, easy. First one to show up every day to work. I mean, that one is awesome. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's in stone. So uh, that's the discipline piece. And that sure. comes from 
Uh, people often ask me, where does the discipline piece come from? Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I put, out, I put out content every single day for almost two decades, whether it's written, audio, or video. And uh, people ask me, where does it come from? Well, I have, I have to give credit to my parents who are not athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm six, four, six feet, four inches tall. My parents are like mm-hmm. five, seven and five, eight. Mm-hmm. All right, they're not basketball players, didn't play a sport. My dad's into sports. Like he follows sports and has mm-hmm. coached youth sports and all that, but he doesn't play. He's not a player. Mm-hmm. And, but rather, uh, Jamie, they got up and went to work every day. All right, even when they didn't have, uh, cars they would take public mm-hmm. transportation uh, jobs mm-hmm. that i know they weren't too excited to go to these are jobs mm-hmm. they i have to go to work now i get to go to work like those mm-hmm. kind of jobs yeah and you know my sister's a year older than me it's just the two of us two and my two parents and mm-hmm. i knew that they did it because they knew they had a responsibility to take care of their kids and mm-hmm. put food on the table and pay the bills and they never preached about it never once spoke about it they never said hey be disciplined to go to work every day like us they never said that but uh mm-hmm. you have kids yeah, two kids. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we all know. 14. Okay, yep. great. So we all know as parents that your kids follow what they see you doing, not what they hear you saying. Right. So, so <laughs> when I got out on that uh on that basketball court, I just took what I what was modeled for me at home and I applied it mm-hmm. on the basketball court, even though I wasn't sure it was going to work. And then it worked. And I applied it to the next thing. Then I applied it to the next thing. And that mm-hmm. discipline piece has uh, always been with me. I wasn't that great of a student. That was good enough. But and, and the things I actually wanted to do, discipline has always been the number one thing. Got it. That's that's really good. Yeah. Um so okay, so your your basketball career obviously came to an end. And mm-hmm. then uh, what year was that? 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah. So in the last eight years, you've really been focused on um putting out content and and I mean correct me if I'm wrong, coaching. Uh, your books and your businesses. Um, how what's been the the kind of the from 2015 through today? How has how have things progressed? So 2015. By this point, I was starting to do because the first thing I was thinking when I was getting out of when I knew basketball was I was going to stop playing because I didn't get pushed out. I I stopped playing. Mm-hmm. Was I was going to do a professional speaking? That's the first thing I want to do professional mm-hmm. speaking because I was doing all these videos on YouTube and people just mm-hmm. like the way that I would articulate and break stuff down. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, you sound like you could be a coach or the college professor or something like that." I said, "Or right, maybe <laughs> professional speaking." So I went to a Toastmasters meeting and somebody told me that somebody put me onto this concept that there are people out there who just go and stand on stages and talk for an hour and they get paid. I didn't know that was a thing, <laughs> so I said, mm-hmm. "Let me go do that." So I my first idea was I was going to get into that space. So I that's where I started doing the TED Talks and things like that. And I did do a good amount of speaking up until about 2020 when COVID happened and then there were no events mm-hmm. for a minute and then everybody started doing sure. them on Zoom. And I, didn't like, I never liked doing events on Zoom. I like doing this yeah. on Zoom, but I never liked sure. speaking on Zoom. So yeah. that's when I started, I started focusing more on the coaching from 2020 till now. But during that whole period, it was uh, courses, the books. Uh, there was some coaching. You know, people would come to me and just ask me, do I do any coaching? Even when I wasn't mm-hmm. even trying to sell coaching, just because mm-hmm. I was creating so much content. So mm-hmm. it's always been that. And I was still selling the basketball program. So I did that from 2015 to 2020. I was speaking courses and uh, selling my products. Those are the mm-hmm. main things. And then just ad revenue that was getting online. Then in 2020, I dropped the speaking, didn't really focus on that anymore and started focusing on coaching. So I still had the products, still got the books. And now mm-hmm. just coaching. Got it. Now, yeah. and, and it can tell you, I mean, yeah, you want to make money. Yeah. You want to be successful yourself. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you should, <laughs> but, right. but the flip side is you, you clearly lead with adding value first, putting out content, putting, you know, putting a lot of free value out there free to the the consumer, you know, takes work for you. 
um, consistently. But all the other thing I want to point out is clearly you you listen, and you've mentioned that a few times. You clearly took feedback from others as to what they're interested in and what they see in you, like what you are actually good at. Um, you know, so you're not just like full steam ahead. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You're taking an input and applying that and pivoting and giving the people what they want, what they need. Um, and what you've shown you have been successful applying. So yeah, I love, I love all that. So now the coaching in the last few years, what does that, what does that look like? Well, it depends on who I'm talking to, depends on who I'm coaching. So I've always tried to keep my coaching uh, bespoke. So I know there are some coaches out there, they have a, a, I was actually just talking about this yesterday, something I was recording that some coaches have a a straight line method, like, okay, Mm -hmm. you want to make $10,000 a month selling courses, get in my program. That's exactly what we're going to teach you. We're going to teach Mm -hmm. you that. And then there are other coaches who is more, they're more holistic. They're just a coach. Sure. Right? If, if my style sounds like the type of person you would want to talk to on a regular basis and we get to know each other more intimately and I can help you through different things, then I'll mm-hmm. do that as well. So I actually, I like both lanes, mm-hmm. but I personally prefer working with uh, high level people who have mm-hmm. uh, complex challenges because I get to get to know them on a more personal level and I can even coach them personally. So this is mm-hmm. not always in a group. So I have group options, but I also like to coach people personally where, because in my experience, Jamie, when I'm talking to people who are at the, let's say they're making at least $250,000 a year or more, mm-hmm. they don't just need help with business. All right. This mm-hmm. is personal stuff. So it's life stuff. It's spouse stuff. It's kids stuff. It's yeah. how do I keep my body in shape? Cause I'm at work all the time making all this money. All right. How do I, what are, yeah. uh, can, can you help me just overall? I just need somebody to just talk to every couple of weeks to just hold space for me so I can let this stuff out because everywhere else in my life, I'm the one that they talk to. So who do I talk to? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a big thing that I like personally, if I had to pick just one type of client, that's the type of person mm-hmm. I like to work with. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I started working with a, a business coach a few months ago and he's been fantastic. Also a former college athlete and, um, yeah. And it's, I call him my business coach, but he really is more of a life coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so much more than just, uh, you know, he, he just start working on our businesses, my businesses. It's it's also, it's everything. He's, mm-hmm. l- lately, he's been my therapist as well. So, but uh, yeah, yeah it's, right. it's, it's right. I mean, being an entrepreneur can be, you know, this is not a, this is not a pity party, but it's, it can be a, a lonely space because you're, if you are in charge of organizations, you're, you're constantly just putting out fires. You're, you're only dealing with problems, you know, and, and you're kind of, it's easy to find yourself on an Island. So I think investing in a coach is absolutely paramount and, and also mm-hmm. surrounding yourself in, you know, community of other, other like-minded people. Um, got it. Yeah. So I, I can only imagine you're, you're adding a ton of value to the, the people you're coaching. So um, you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yes. All right, Dre, what is one thing that people misunderstand about you? Hmm. It's a good question. One thing that people misunderstand about me. That one usually gets a little bit of a pause. It's not quite as rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if people misunderstand anything about me. I think I'm pretty good at articulating exactly where I stand. So sure. I think people go in, go into what I'm actually sharing, then there's no confusion. So I don't think there's anything, any one particular thing. Sounds good. What would you say is one of your biggest failures, regrets, something you'd like to have a do-over with, however you want to frame it? Hmm. As a college athlete, I could have been more um, 
what's the word? I guess more disciplined when it came to mm. with the, within the team framework, as mm. far as practicing hard every day in team practice. I always did good doing stuff by myself, but with the team, I didn't always have the best effort, which led to me losing opportunities for playing time. And I could have been a better player in college because of that. I think the mm. the light switch turned on when I got to the pros, but I could have been a better player in college. And even though it would not have affected my pro prospects, I don't think mm. I could have been a better player in college had I just had more discipline for what the team needed. Got it. Right, that's interesting. I can I can identify with that. Mm. Um, if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self some advice, what would that be? Again, to personal development as quickly as possible. Find out what it is. Uh, get into it as quickly as possible. Uh, get around the right other people who are positive and going somewhere, and uh, learn to tap into the brains of other people. When you're looking to create success, you don't have to do everything on your own. And uh, just investing yourself, investing in yourself, using money to buy time. Love that. Mm. So that's. I'm gonna have to play that one again <laughs> for myself. <laughs> if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Well, I don't drink coffee, but okay. I'll have a glass Tea, of water. Water. Yeah. All right, uh, perfect. Any historical figure, just one person? It doesn't have to be your favorite person ever. It's just somebody you'd like to spend have a conversation with. They could be still alive today or or not. Hmm. One person I have a conversation with. Man. If I had to only pick one, I would go with uh maybe Robert Green, my favorite author. Okay. Yeah. Great. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, Dre, what would you do with it? $10 million tomorrow. I would uh, probably hold a good amount of it. I'd take a million dollars and uh, pay for any things that I need to pay for. I don't think I have more than a million dollars and uh, things need to be paid for. <laughs> so I would probably try to hold a good amount of it, invest a good amount of it, and yeah, just make sure everything's paid off. Everything should say zero. Every balance should be at zero. And <laughs> Yeah, then I would just try to hold it. I think I would just sit. I think somebody said, if you ever get a big windfall of money, the one of the best things you could do is just sit and just experience the feeling of having it and not doing anything with it. So that's probably what I would do for maybe a couple months if I can control myself. I'll take a million dollars and play with it. But then the rest of it. Hold hold nine back. Got it. Right. Um, What's the challenge that you're facing in your, your career right now, your business? Qualify leads at the same time as every entrepreneur has. Mm. <laughs> so I'm always trying to, I'm always looking for people who are good at, I, I'll tell you this. Have you read uh, Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan 10X is easier than 2X? Uh, I have read other books of his. I have not read okay. that one. Okay. So that's oh, 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 Dan Sullivan. Yes. I've read, uh, I've read a couple of their books. Yeah. Sullivan um, has like 30. He's got a bunch of books. Yeah. But the two of them together, they've done a couple. Um, who Not How is one right. I've read. Um, I think it's the I've gap not read the, the one. Yeah, the gap in the gain is another one. Right. I've not read that, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and this 10x is easier than 2x. One of the things that they're talking about is how you can you know 10x your results instead of making incremental progress, make big progress. And it's about getting clear on. And this is something I've been telling my audience even before I knew about their book, but mm-hmm. they put it into they articulate in a way that I would not have thought of saying it. Mm-hmm. And Hardy does most of the writing for the book. Is yeah. it's a lot of it is about what you got to drop. What do you got to get rid of? Mm. Because if you're going to make a big jump in your life, you got to drop things. I'm, I'm saying all that to say this. I know what things I should be doing and what things I shouldn't be doing. So mm-hmm. three things that I should be doing is conversations like this one mm-hmm. where I'm talking to one person, but we're talking to an audience sure. or talking to an audience or like a coaching call or a sales call or mm-hmm. uh, writing or making content. Those are you're talking to an audience, talking to one person or writing. Those are my three million dollar skills. 
Uh, everything yeah. else I should not be doing. I should be passing yeah. on to someone else. So I hate, actually, I don't, I am good at building sales funnels. I can do it better than most people, but I don't want to build another sales funnel because I'm not a behind the scenes guy. I'm a, sure. I'm a front, front facing guy. Yeah. I don't want to uh, run ad campaigns. I hate setting up ad campaigns. So I am always looking. So your question was, what am I missing? Lead generation. So I'm always looking for people who are good at generating leads for people who sell yeah. stuff that is like, you know, high ticket, like coaching and consulting. So I go to marketing yeah. conferences and every other person I meet, they do that. So it's really just about uh, vetting and finding yeah. people, letting them test out, see who's good at it. And I got a few uh, people that I got uh, pending right now. They're going to mm -hmm. generate leads for me. And if they can do what they say they can do, then that solves mm -hmm. that problem. Yeah, no, and it's. It, I think every entrepreneur has has a has that issue where it's not even shiny object necessarily. It's just you might be good at a lot of things, and so it's hard to say no, and it's hard to, even if you might do the marketing piece, the funnel piece better than somebody else. What are right. you not doing? What are you not focused on? It's that opportunity yeah. cost that's really big. So, exactly. um, yeah, it's and look, every every business has challenges. <laughs> um. So that's, that's, I appreciate you uh, sharing that. So in your opinion, what's one of the most important personality traits that somebody needs to be successful in, in business? Uh, something you haven't mentioned yet. You've already dropped so much knowledge. Mental toughness. If someone's going to be successful in, in anything, business or anything else is mental toughness. Are you familiar with this uh, essay called uh, Carry a Letter to Garcia? Ever heard of it? No, I have not heard of that. So it was written by Albert Hubbard back in, I believe, 1899. And I didn't know about it either. But this guy named Dan Kennedy. You familiar with Dan Kennedy? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I have a Dan Kennedy book of, because his thing is he's not on the internet. He doesn't have a cell phone. He's not an online guy. Yeah. He wrote, he would send faxes to people in his, his uh, mastermind. And yeah. he took all his faxes from like 10 years straight. He put them into a book. And I'm reading yeah. the faxes. So in one of these faxes, he's talking about, he said this, he says, Hey, I need type of people who can carry a message to Garcia. And then he puts in parentheses, look it up. If you don't know what that means, I looked it up and I read it. It's only three pages long. And in that message, it, that message is all about finding the type of people who you can just tell them to go get something done and they get it done. They don't have to ask mm -hmm. you 15 questions. They don't need you to hold their hand. They don't need you to lay out the whole plan of what to do Just say, mm -hmm. get this done. They get it done. All right, done. And it'll be done. And you don't even need to know how they got it done. So uh, mental toughness is about, do you have the mentality? If you do, you have that type of mentality. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you must have that type of mentality because there's often no blueprint for doing what you're trying to do. So true. And if you're going to have people working for you, if you don't have that mentality, then you cannot demand it of them. And if you, I sent, I read the letter just yesterday from when we're recording mm -hmm. this, Jamie, mm -hmm. and I sent the link to my assistant and I said, read mm -hmm. this, and tomorrow we're going to discuss it. And That's awesome. We discussed it this morning and she said, you know, it's funny, Dre, when I read that article, it kind of reminded me of you. I, what she was, so it was a compliment that she was giving sure. to me. But, and I told her, listen, this is, this is kind of what I need you to be. I need you to be this mm. type of person. I didn't hire you to be a robot because listen, there's AI software that can replace you if all you're going to do is <laughs> a robot. And I told her that. I told her it's AI software that can copy paste. I don't need you to yeah. copy paste. I need you to be human and yeah. go get things done when I need you to get them done. So that's my answer. Yeah. Mental toughness. Yeah, that's great. And, I'm glad you didn't have to send her the VHS tape and <laughs> send her a link. But uh, no, I said the same thing. I, I have a, a virtual assistant who does uh, some marketing. And, and um, I told her the other last week, you know, she said, well, I, I said, why did we pick this clip? It, it just doesn't look very good, to be honest. Like, you know, 
And mm. she said, well, that's the one that the software chose. And I said, the software works for us. Mm. We, we, you know, we're, we're in charge here. So, right. <laughs> but um, right. yes. So, so you've already rattled off a, a bunch of books. So talk about a couple of yours. Like wh what are one or two of your favorite books that you've written? Well, my favorite probably would be, my favorite would be my first one. It's called Buy a Game. And that was just me telling my story of basketball when I first came up. But to your audience, what I would suggest is my book, The Third Day, which is right here. Are we on video? Yes. Yep. I see it. The Third Day is this book right here, The Decision That Separates the Pros from the Amateurs. This book is all about how do you show up and give your best effort when you least feel like it. So it's basically mm -hmm. a sub subtopic of discipline, showing up and having a strategy and a structure for giving your best effort on the days when you don't really feel like being at work or being at the gym or answering those calls or whatever we had to do as an entrepreneur. It's always stuff sure. we, gotta do we don't feel like doing. Yeah. And the key to of successful people is even on the days when they don't feel like going, they go. Like I went to the gym this morning. I would never even think about not going to the gym. Right, there are hmm. days I feel so better, you, days I feel worse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There was never there's never a day I wouldn't go to the gym. There's never a day I wouldn't no sure. record if I need to record or write if I need to write right? because that's what I do. So there's it's not a question. It's just a matter of when am I going to do it, not if I'm going to do it. And that's what this mm -hmm. book is all about. And I call it the third day because you know the first day when you start something, everybody's all excited and trying to show off. <laughs> yeah, everybody's yeah. there the first day. Second day, a little bit less excited, but people still show up. And by that third day, metaphorically, mm. you got the regulars, are the people who are going to be serious. So yeah, I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but we all know in January, yeah. anybody who goes to a gym. January is packed. <laughs> it's packed. Everybody's there. Yeah. Uh, about Valentine's Day is back to the same people from last year. And, and that's what the third day is about. Third day is any moment in life when you realize that the thing you signed up for is not all fun and games. And the question is the decision that you make. Are you going to keep showing up or are you not? That's what the third day is. The decision is not the occurrence because the occurrence happens to everybody. The decision is not. So I give everybody a free copy of this book. Can I share mm. how they can get it? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Yeah, paperback, uh, free copy paperback. Just go to thirddaybook.com. All we ask is that you cover the shipping and we'll ship this book physically to wherever you live, anywhere in the United States, international as well. So thirddaybook.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Dre Baldwin, man, this has been, this has been fantastic. Uh, uh, what's one question that I have not asked that you wish I had? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, but we didn't talk about all the the work on your game philosophy. So we didn't really talk about initiative, personal initiative, but you brought it up many times when you talk about the go-getter and uh, about confidence. We didn't talk about that that much either, but discipline creates confidence. So if you can be disciplined, you're going to be confident. And mental toughness, I consider that to be like the uh, the bodyguard for your confidence. It's like your security system. So we didn't talk about those things, but they kind of fit into sure. what we talked about already. Absolutely. I mean, I've heard, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, reps you got to put in the reps and if you don't have discipline you're not right. going to put in the reps and you put in the reps and that's what leads to confidence like you said right and well put in the reps it leads to competence and then competence leads to confidence they all kind of uh play yes, together right. um right. that's awesome so dre um anything else you want to add before we we sign off uh, just letting everybody know that uh, no matter what it is you do, we all have a game, whether you're a real estate maintenance man, a librarian, an entrepreneur, or athlete, and you need to understand what game you're in, learn the rules of the game, uh, do the work so that you can work on your game, then you prepare, you get an opportunity, you perform, you produce results, you produce results, you get rewards. So that's the process for anybody and anything you do. Yeah. I mean, we this has been a very... Uh... 
very um, energy packed and, and just refreshing episode, very practical uh, mindset based. You know, I know that you've you've personally have been through a lot of adversity uh, along the way, a lot of ups and downs. And I, I just think the listener is going to be able to relate to a lot of this, whether they were a basketball player or not. Like you said before, it, it relates to everybody. So um, this, this has been great. Where can our listeners find you online, Dre? I'm on every social media platform actively. So we publish everywhere every single day. I'm probably most active on Instagram. Actually, I'm active on, I'm most active on Instagram because I personally will use it. My assistant does a lot of the postings, but it's all my content. So Instagram is just my name, at Drake Baldwin. I'm also pretty active on uh, X slash Twitter. My Twitter is just at Dre all day. That's where you can, that's where I like to talk about uh, current events. So I like to get into interesting conversations over there on uh, on X. But besides that, I'm on every platform, every single one I'm on there. Fantastic. Yeah. Dre Baldwin, thank you so much, man. This has been this has been great. So thanks for spending your your time with us. We appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity, Jamie. Thank you for sharing your platform. Absolutely. And to the listener, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.